The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Steelers Outpost Podcast, April 9th, 2018, episode 32, Michael Harris. This is Tom coming to you again from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick is joining me from the south at the Houston Outpost. Nick, how's it going? It's going great, everybody. It's fluctuating about 40 degrees per day down here, so cars are breaking down, and so are immune systems, but the draft is on its way, finally on the countdown, so we're doing okay. We've been counting down since the Jacksonville game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to think about that right now, but you are absolutely right. This one actually is official, though. It's going to happen. Well, we are behind, behind between the combine and the draft. There's been so much conjecture, so many mock drafts about who's going where and when. It, originally, it was Sam Darnold projected as the number one pick to the Browns, and now it seems that Josh Allen has supplanted him as Cleveland's target. It's it's just kind of funny to watch. It's aggravating if you care about it and take yeah. it seriously. It's comedy capers right now, ladies and gentlemen. There are the NFL is a year long, well year round league now. There's always things going on because I mean, even before the playoffs end, the people who are knocked out of the playoffs or didn't even make it, they're already looking for coaching candidates and making hires. And right after the season ends, uh, there's a ton of moves being made right away. And then you start getting eventually into the free agency period and all that. And like we said, the coaching changes. And then you get into the scouting combine. All this stuff is going on. And there's so much to talk about. And then there's this little period right now, which is a little bit of a uh, – it's just – it's comedy capers because the pro days are done. The combine's done. All there is is the waiting and the waffling back and forth on player opinions from now until the draft. And the the Sam Darnold thing seemed weird initially when people were saying that the Browns were definitely going to take him number one because no one really has a consensus number one quarterback this year. So it was a little funny that they had Sam Darnold slated there for sure. Not that he's undeserving of it, but just word around the league said that Cleveland was definitely drafting Darnold. They're definitely, definitely drafting. Oh, wait, never mind. Now they're going to draft Josh Allen number one. So if that's true, it kind of says a lot about the Cleveland Browns organization, right? They should have had this figured out months ago. I mean, by the latest after the combine, but with a quarterback, you pretty much, you've watched what you've need to watch by that point. So if they're wiffle waffling, at this point, that, that's kind of a poorly run organization. Wouldn't you think you should have that figured out by now? One and 25. Is my math right? Over yeah, the last two years? I think that's, uh, I think yeah, I think that's all, all you need to know. So until they dig out of that hole, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. It's hard to know. You know what's these really interesting? The- Hugh Jackson, their coach, actually was quoted recently at a press conference saying – 
Yeah, we don't know who our number one pick's going to be yet. And there's obviously outrage from the NFL community. Either, like, you're just totally lying for no reason because no one cares. You have the number one pick. You don't need to play games. Or you're being serious. And Hugh Jackson said, with the way things are run around here, it might be a last-minute decision, which is totally a, a shot at the organization. And maybe they do have his hands tied on a lot of things. I mean, like you said, one in 78 or whatever he is over the last two years, he definitely has a big hand in that mediocrity too. But uh, it, it does sound like the Browns really don't know what they're doing, although we'll see how it goes. They got some good pieces over there, including beloved Steelers offensive coordinator, uh, Todd Haley. So we'll see what happens. There's another interest, another interesting story. Uh, maybe the Cle- Cleveland ought to look at this guy, Jordan Melada. Jordan oh. Melada is a 20 year old Samoan who's been playing professional rugby in Sydney, Australia. But he he got to have a pro day. He's he was at Tampa Bay. He's been in front of all 32 teams. The guy. Is six eight. He's two forty six, and he is trying to learn to become a an offensive tackle. Is he two forty six or is he three forty six? Did I say two? Three four you six. Three forty six. This man is almost four hundred pounds. <laughs> I wish he ran him a well. Five twelve at the forty yard dash, which honestly would have been good at three forty six, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good for that size. Right? He'd run me down I guess like that's a scared rabbit. Consider, right? Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't 20, run. I would 20. just hopefully he, he eats me quickly. Look, you've got to look at this guy's rugby highlight tape. It's just like a large feral elephant running free on the Serengeti as the jackals nip at his heels and he crushes them with each footprint. We already got Villanueva, who was a little bit of a, an alternative project at tackle. Maybe we could get this guy and get the United Nations going protecting Big Benny. But, I mean, obviously I wouldn't want to put that guy in too quickly. But it's a good story. The guy, I'm totally blanking on the kick returner for the Niners from a couple of years ago who was a fantastic all-star rugby player and had a great preseason with the Niners, returning some punts a pretty good distance, and then immediately just choked tremendously when he got in the regular season, like fumbling points. He couldn't do it. He was out of the NFL right. immediately. So I don't think this guy's going to do much, but that is pretty crazy that he's about 800 pounds and he runs a five second 40. Yeah. What are you going to do? So under our headlines, we, we've got some odds and ends to go over. Steelers have had several transactions the last week. We want to look at the Steelers possibly moving up in the draft, what the chances of that would be and what they would do it for. And we will complete the, our headlines with our weekly draft preview. We'll be looking at tight ends. Yes, we will. So we spent a little time before the show looking up the pronunciation of Nat Beret's name. But we did pick yep. up Nat Beret, known as the Missile, which, whom we have renamed the Golden Parachute, as he most likely will take Robert Golden's place as a core element on the special teams. Yeah, he's a safety, but he's not really a guy who's, who you're going to be looking to play on the defensive side. He's just like Robert Golden. He plays that up-back position on special teams, which is a really crucial position. So it's good to see that the Steelers got this guy. He is called the missile. I will take the missile, um, even though now that they're going to implement this targeting rule, it's going to be a total disaster, and he's probably going to be J.J. Wilcox part two and foul out of every game he plays in. But uh, let's hope that he's able to overcome that. It's, It's a really great signing. Losing Golden, you know, it's not like losing a core offensive or defensive player, but 
having to fill that vacancy in special teams is a big deal. And now the Steelers don't have to worry about doing it. They have a guy who they can literally plug into the exact same position. That's a good signing. Well, Beret came out of San Diego State in 2015 into the uh, to the Giants in the fifth round. As you pointed out, he's been a special teams ace for the Giants, uh, and he led that unit last year in tackles. Interesting factoid about his uh, his origin, or at least his dad's origin. He is the first Eritrean American to play in the NFL. Wow! Can you find Eritrea on the map? No. Playing audience can't see it, but I have exposed in Skype uh, the the map of Africa for Nicholas. Eritrea is on the east coast of Africa between Sudan and Ethiopia. His Nets dad moved to the States in 1970. Anyway, keep that in mind. It'll be on a Trivial Pursuit question coming up. That is really good. No, we're going we're gonna to test you guys on that later in the year on his origin. But like we said, it's a big pickup. You guys remember Chidi Awuma, right? You know Tyler Matakevich. These special teams demons are very valuable. I mean, Steelers brought Matthew Slater, the most famous special teams player ever out of New England, uh, to try and see if they could sign him. But the Patriots, the evil empire, scooped him back up, which is good. We didn't want him anyways, so it's good to have this guy. Another signing that we made, probably more significant, as Chris Boswell, a.k.a. the Wizard of Boz, signed his second-round tender. So he's making himself... uh, a couple million dollars, so good for the boss man. But this is expected, right? Yeah, we mentioned it, but it's always interesting because it's such a feel-good story. The guy was the fourth highest score in the NFL last season. He set a career high with four field goals made from over 50 yards away. And as we know, he pulled the Steelers' can out of the fire several times this past season. Yeah, like three weeks in a row, or it was like three out of four weeks, he made game-winning field goals as time was expiring. And if you guys were listening back during the season, we actually said that he sincerely deserved Steeler MVP consideration this past year because he really put together a magical year. He beat the Chiefs single-handedly on on like all field goals in that game besides the Antonio Brown miracle catch and – with all those buzzer beaters. It was crazy that he even got that number of opportunities in one season, but then delivering on them. That's just the boss, man. That's just how he does. So that's awesome for him that he's making some real money now. Cause he came out of nowhere, Rice university, nowhere, but still out of nowhere after the Steelers had slogged through three different kickers after squishy Torres ACL. And now here we are with Boswell. Great pickup, uh, quite possibly best Steeler kicker in history. And hopefully he continues that streak. I think he will. Well, I think you mentioned that he's making $2 million. I think you rounded down quite a bit. He's all actually slated to make $2.9 million. You'd like that for a year, wouldn't you? Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good for him. Hey, so there's not a lot to analyze at this point in the season or non-season, but I did look at the, the roster. You know, I noticed that we did pick up another B, not just Boswell, but Beret. Ah. What do you think is the most prevalent first letter of every name on the Steeler roster at this point. S. S. S is interesting. Actually, there are only five S's. There are nine B's and nine H's. Wow. And, and most of the players are players that uh, will be on the roster. Not too many unknowns on this. Oh, yeah. We picked up Burnett and Bosick and Bray. Yeah. Really? Taking that Killer Bees thing seriously. I think we've taken the mystery out of the Steelers selection process. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Is there a B linebacker or safety? 
And now that I'm put on the spot, I'm totally blanking. But Justin Reed, we'd have to call him Justin Bede or Justin Heed. Anyways, we'll get there when we get there. Rashawn Bevins from Alabama. So that takes care of the odds and ends for the Steelers this last week. Oh, although they got uh, three three offensive linemen they signed today. Yeah. Um, one of them was from Duquesne. It's interesting. Duquesne. <laughs> well, that's actually crucial because the loss of Chris Hubbard is going to have to be filled by somebody. Chris Hubbard, obviously, the Steelers swing tackle. He played some center very poorly, but he still did it. Um, fa- fantastic job filling in for Marcus Gilbert at the right tackle last year. Almost no drop off once he got his sea legs under him. He's probably going to be a starter for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, him and um, BJ Finney. BJ Finney. Thank you. Goodness. B.J. Finney and the other offensive lineman, the backup, B.J. Finney, swing guard, they were a crucial element of why the Steelers were able to keep rolling no matter what during this past season. you got to have guys who you can plug in for the offensive line because those guys are just going to go down here and there throughout the course of a season. So we got to find that next backup swing tackle. Matt Filer is obviously first on the list, but we're going to bring in some scrubs and maybe a 900-pound Samoan to see if they, he can fill that role. So seems sort of trivial right now, but actually it is a crucial process, just like filling that special team slot. Filling that backup offensive lineman spot is really crucial too. All right, let's move on to our next topic. And you wanted to talk a little bit about the possibility of the Steelers trading up in the first round. Yeah, so we I, funny thing, actually, we talked to another podcast host, Tony Serino of Locked on Steelers. He had a put out a question on Twitter asking if the Steelers should go all in officially this year and move up, um, trade up to get a player in the NFL draft. And we had a little conversation, a little back and forth over Twitter and then his podcast. Um, Basically, I told him the Steelers, if if a certain situation presents itself, they absolutely should trade up. Basically, I said if Derwin James, the safety from Florida State, or if Roquan Smith, the superstar linebacker from Georgia, who I previewed for you guys a couple weeks back, saying that there's no way this guy's going to fall to us, but we're just going to talk about him anyways. Well, if one of those two players who fit tremendous needs for the Steelers and who are sure to be instant contributors, like they would start day one on the Steelers' defense, if they fall into like the 12 to 15 range in the draft – the Steelers should pull the trigger and move up for these guys. And basically for the reasons that I was just outlining, the Steelers have not done well developing defensive prospects recently. And I'm sorry, this year looks very similar to last year in terms of we're going in with the same roster, but you're missing your defensive superstar. Last year at this time, we were going in with Ryan Shazier. This defense is not going to be that great this year, you guys. I have a hard time buying that. Of course, I do think that they can improve over the course of the season to eventually hopefully become a complementary unit to the offense, but they just don't have the talent or the experience to be good. Like, Let's just be realistic about this thing. So you need an impact player there, and there's a couple of them available, and these guys are going to fall because there's four or five quarterbacks this year who are going to get drafted in the top 10. It's just a really heavy quarterback year. Obviously, we know this is um, kind of the best year left in the Steelers' window. 
Um, obviously, I think that the window's still open as long as Ben is in Pittsburgh, but you still have Le'Veon this year, and you have a lot of other guys. So this is the year. The guys are going to fall, and you need to go all in. I don't need a second-round pick next year or, or whatever, this or that. So if one of those two dudes falls, you can get yourself a plug-and-play type of guy. And the Steelers have done this before. They traded up almost 10 spots to get Troy Polamalu, and they did the same thing to get San Antonio Holmes. And both of those guys turned out to be okay. And if you look at the Steelers' picks, the guys who have done well recently in the recent drafts, you can say are real studs um, from the first round at least, were, you know, you weren't getting them at 28. Like DeCastro, he fell. He was a top 10, top 12 talent, somebody like that. Um, regardless, I, this is the best year to do it. Um, it's kind of dependent on if the guys fall to the right spot. Cause there are a bunch of teams in that t- 10 to 13 range who need either one or both of those players. But if he gets past a couple of those teams, you got to snatch them. Got to do it. No questions asked. All right. Get I won't ask any questions. Very good. Follow us on Twitter. You'll okay. get to see a little bit more of that extended conversation. Hey, we really appreciate listening to our show, and we'd like to give a shout-out to some of our listeners who have bounced some messages to us. Sean, Jane, Mark, and Senquez, thanks again for communicating with us and for listening to us each week. So we do this podcast every Monday night, publishing it late Monday, so you have something to listen to on the drive to work. If you haven't already subscribed, and many of you have, and you like what you hear, please subscribe and you will get this new episode. As you can see, we are committed to driving through this quiet time of the NFL, bringing you some news and information. So, yes, sir. Thank you for bearing with that commercial. And we will dive into our draft preview. And we're looking at tight ends this week. We indeed are looking at tight ends this week. So, we tried to cover the positions early in our draft previews who we really think we're going to get. I mean, we still know the linebacker and safety. That's going to be a heavy priority. And one of those guys, one of those positions, if not both of them, are going in the first and second round and the third round. The tight end position has been talked about for the Steelers, but honestly, it's pretty under control. Vance McDonald is about to prove himself to be a very solid number one tight end, as he did at the end of last season with the Steelers. He is a rare combination of a guy who's got good downfield speed and can make long catches but can still block. The Steelers' run game was exponentially better with him in the game uh, last year. So it's kind of rare to find that in the NFL now. Usually these tight ends are either move tight ends, which basically means they're glorified wide receiver, or they're plotting blocker dudes who aren't really a threat to receive. And then there's Jesse James, who's just kind of mediocre of both worlds. But he's proven himself to be a really solid number two. And you still got Xavier Grimble. So I don't think the Steelers are going to force the issue at tight end. But if a draft board falls in a particular way where the value of a tight end is greater than, let, let's say, like and they miss out on other outside or their inside linebackers and they have to choose between an average inside linebacker and a sweet, badass tight end who falls to them, they might choose that tight end. So we're going to review some of the top guys for you. Number one, fan favorite. Mike Gesicki from Penn State, probably the most famous of the tight ends. He's a giant man, just like all these guys. He's 6'5", 247, and his one defining uh, characteristic is his incredible leaping ability. He makes 
fantastic high point catches left and right. He makes them on the sideline. He makes them in the end zone. He really has an elite ability to do that. And that's kind of why he's the number one guy because he at least has one trait that's elite that you can compare to different tight ends who have come out in the draft. And that could be a huge weapon for Ben Roethlisberger in the red zone. I would not be shocked if they drafted him in the first. I'd be surprised. He's a first-round, early second-round kind of guy. But uh, Mr. Rooney said that a big focus for the next year is going to be red zone. And usually when he says something like that in the preseason, the Steelers make moves to fix said area. So he would be a monster there. He runs a 5-4, so he's fast. But he's just, I guess on the negative side, he's a terrible blocker. Like you're going to find out that's going to be a theme within uh, this segment. And he's just not quite as explosive as the past move tight ends that have come out in the draft. Like last year you had Evan Engram and David Njoku and OJ Howard and different guys from different years who were just more explosive than this guy. But like I said, he can straight up space jam Michael Jordan, catch the ball in the air. So there's a spot for him and he's a Pennsylvania guy. Does he bump uh, Jesse James? I mean, somebody's got to go there, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I love Jesse James as a number two. I think they said that he was playing through some pretty significant injuries last year. You can never confuse him for a number one, but he won the game against the Patriots with that awesome touchdown catch that he made, so you give him some credit for that. Yeah, he had a 100-yard game within there, and he's improved as a blocker, So, and he's very experienced in the offense. Ben's comfortable with him. I really like him as a number two, but yeah, if you got Kasicki, you'd find more ways to get him on the field than Jesse. But doesn't somebody have to go if we pick up a tight end? Would it be Xavier Grimble? They yeah, actually definitely. Carry- yeah. And they w- it would be a package type deal. It's like Jesse James wouldn't just become the default number three tight end because Kasicki can't block at all. He doesn't even know how to do it, basically. So you would still have spaces for Jesse to be on the field, Jesse to be on with Vance, and then you'd find places to put Kasicki, particularly in the red zone. But – um. Yeah, it would be an intriguing concept because this dude can go over anybody and catch the ball. So All right. I, I wouldn't be horrified at it at the pick. Well, let's move south to another guy who has a Pittsburgh connection. Yeah, Hayden Hurst, former, unfortunately failed Pittsburgh Pirate minor leaguer pitcher who got the yips and just kind of flunked his way out of minor league baseball. It's a really sad story. He barely even played in the games. And that's really not a great way to introduce him because he's a pretty good football player. Kind of a cool story. The the downside of him is that he's 24 years old, so that might turn some people off. But that's just because he's got experience as a professional athlete. And um, he just went ahead and switched to football at a great football school. And that's why your kid can't play in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he's pretty good. Another move tight end. He's got good hands. Now, he's a more willing blocker than Gasicki, but he's not exactly a great one. He also can run with the ball okay. He's not like great run after the catch, but they used him on a bunch of reverses and little chicanery, uh, exercises in chicanery, if you will, for the Gamecocks. So that's kind of cool. He's he's pretty versatile. Um, he But once again... He just doesn't have that uh, that elite athleticism that you want from a move tight end. So he might get drafted in the first round, but he's probably really more a second or third round talent, which is kind of the case with all these guys. But that's Hayden Hurst for you. He's a good player and he's a cool dude. And he's familiar with Pittsburgh. He's a cool dude. 
You know him? Cool dude. All right. I heard an interview with him. Long okay. Spilt yeah, he's down everything. Earth. He, he accepted his failures in minor league baseball and learned from them. Oh, I like I that guy. That. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. We're going Ian, to Ian Thomas. Indiana. 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 Sorry, I didn't think you were going to. I thought that you were cueing me to cue up Ian Thomas from Indiana. Uh, I'm not going to give you the heights and weights of these guys because they're all 6'4", 6'5", and like 250, 260. Okay. So this guy, um, he's, I wouldn't say he's a poor man's version of those last two guys, but he is a raw prospect out of Indiana who has some great hands on the boundary. He doesn't have the gravity-defying leaping ability and high-point ability that Gasicki has, but he has fantastic hands on the boundary making sideline catches and making catches in the end zone. You know, when he has really tight coverage, looking over one shoulder, dragging his foot. He had a monster game against Ohio State with two beautiful touchdowns with, like, very high degree of difficulty on the catch, which is nice because you don't see that from Jesse James or from Vance McDonald. You know, I really... Xavier Grimble will show you once in a while, but we know he's not that guy. So he's the least explosive of these top tight ends, and he's he's a raw guy, but he has more potential as a blocker. He has some things to work with there, and he seems to be more willing. So he um, more of a mid-round, kind of like a third-round type of guy. He could be a really intriguing prospect. I like the fact that he could develop into more of a dual threat as a tight end. So I think the next guy you're going to introduce has kind of been in the news, and I'm a little surprised that he is from sort of off the radar, but uh, he's got kind of a cool name. Dallas Goddard, or as I like to say, Godare. Godare me to throw the ball to you. First French player ever drafted. From South Dakota. All those old South Dakota Frenchmen, they'll get you. So he he just looks massive. I got to tell you, some people have mocked this guy to the Steelers in the first round. I I would be surprised at that. He dominated pretty much at South Dakota State, as you'd expect from a guy who's a high draft uh, potential type dude um, and who played at a small school. He's a dynamic receiver. He flashes some great athleticism, but once again, he's just not that first round type of move tight end. Just in this year, he gets moved up the list because – no pun intended, because those guys aren't available. But he's more in the same class as the first two guys we mentioned. He's a playmaker. The offense kind of revolved around this guy. He even threw a sweet option pitch in one game that was actually one of the coolest option pitches I've ever seen. He was getting, he got the ball in reverse. He got scrunched by two little mini people for Division One AAA or whatever he's playing in. So maybe it's not that impressive because it was like he had a, a couple of rodents on his legs while he sort of did a jump shot pitch for a touchdown. It's pretty cool stuff, but he's he's just got inconsistent hands. He's one of those guys who will make the fantastic one-handed touchdown catch and then drop the ball over the middle when there's a guy coming towards him. And he's, um, let's see, the last thing I said about him, yeah, no, we'll just see. Oh, he looks lame in his uniform, and that bothers me. You know, that's significant. you got to have guys who look like the Adonis. I mean, i got to give them the benefit of the doubt because the uniforms are so god-awful. And some of those programs that don't have as much money, they don't know how to 
make good uniforms. Sometimes if you make the number too small on the jersey, it makes everyone look goofy and awkward. So we'll have to get him in an NFL jersey and I'll rejudge him. But that is something to look at because you can tell what kind of athlete it is. Maybe this was just some Paul Bunyan who was dominating at 1AA. But wouldn't you think South Dakota would look west to Idaho and Boise State and its field and, and Oregon did a great job on its uniform several years ago? Didn't they sort of start the color rush, monochrome? Yeah, they've been doing that for a while. The Nike guy went to their school, so they've had all kinds of disgusting and awesome uniforms. They're all over the map. You're right. I don't know. Are we scouting South Dakota State here? Because they're getting a low grade from us, in Jersey game at least. Well, we have one more candidate, and he is a 6'5", 256-pound behemoth. Behemoth. Yeah, just like the rest of them. Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield's buddy. So this guy has been described as like a glorified slot receiver. I think he used to play receiver. He actually runs a 4-6, so he's on the faster side of these guys. Um, I guess the one thing that he does better than the rest of these guys is he's a better route runner. Goddard or Godet, Gogurt, whatever you want to call him, the South Dakota guy we were talking about. I was selling him short at the end there, but he really is, you know, as an athletic specimen, he's got he's got a lot to work with. Um, all of those guys have a little bit more to work with than than Mark Andrews athletically, but he's just a little bit more polished on the route running, which is good to see. But he is an utterly and totally useless blocker. Okay, so. Decent route running isn't really going to make the cut for me, and I don't think it's going to make the cut for the Steelers either. But we figured we mentioned him because he is one of those top five kind of prospects looking at third, third, fourth round. I mean, Steelers don't have a fourth rounder, so do what you will with that. But he doesn't seem like the kind of pick the Steelers would want. You already have X-Man. I don't need this guy. Hey, so we'll have all this data posted. You'll be able to see see the stats that we sort of skipped over get some of the, the flavor of what Nick was talking about and some of the some of the highlight film for each of these guys. So as we've said in the past, we're really trying to make this show as informative, as entertaining as possible, and getting your feedback is vital to help us improve. So please leave a rating on your app. More importantly, talk to us directly. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave a note on our blog at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail. So we will be back here again next week, and we guarantee there will be news. There will be some news that we will report. Oh, there's going to be news, all right. You just tune right in here to Steelers Outpost to hear it. And we are going to continue with our draft outlook next week. The position is? I think we're going to do running backs next week. I think week, we're doing actually. running backs next week. Yeah, um, we should uh, actually – we might look at some def- interior defensive linemen. Oh, we did already. Yeah, we did the defensive linemen already. So I do want to take a look at the running backs and the quarterbacks because there is a chance one of those guys will slide to the Steelers, and there's reasons you could make for drafting a running back. There is no reason you could make for drafting a quarterback, but we got to talk about it anyways because everyone's talking about it. So we'll get to those guys uh, soon. Well, three weeks Notice from I'm now. I'm not going to do corners, though. No, three weeks from now, them. this will all be moot. We will be in draft mode. And we will be up for 48 straight hours, 72 straight hours. Yes. Anyway. That's the plan. Thank you again for listening. And until next week, go Steelers. Okay. Bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 